Captain's Log 76623. The Federation Historical Council has departed after a lengthy stay aboard the station. Chairman MDOC, Lieutenant Commander David and I will meet again in the future to discuss key ideas for stability in the surrounding quadrants for the preservation of historical artifacts. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to thinking. Hmm. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney. And um, joining me, as always, for another little sojourn down the literature trek stuff, my bibliophile friend, Lieutenant Commander David, how are you, good sir? Did you almost lose your way in the imaginary wasteland and forget your name? Do I even have a name? What's your name? If you can dream it, you can be it. That's what I've heard. Yeah, this is our journey into imagination. Imagination. Mm Mm-mm. Well, here we are. Um, dude, okay, do you remember when we started this thing? Like, almost a year ago? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it had it had been a while. Yeah. Here we are. You know, we, we started the... We did the first book in the, in the series almost a year ago. And we took, like, what? Five, six months off of it, basically? And now here yeah. we are. We did the, the the second book, I think, last month, and here we are yep. finally doing the third book. It took us long enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure that, I mean, everybody's just with bated breath, you know, right, waiting right. on the the epic conclusion of... What was, the, what was it called again? Star Trek Legacy. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Well... I know uh, not too long ago we were, you and I were just jibber jabbering about stuff. So there probably hasn't been too much of an update, unless there has been, you know, like, except for the world of adulting, like we were talking about pre show. Um, but you, you're, um, I, I think you're, when you do play video games, you're a PlayStation guy, is that right? Or do you, are you not territorial? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really play much in the way of games anymore. Uh, I mean, I used to, I suppose, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've been on, on the PlayStation bandwagon, uh, for a while. I mean, I, I had an Xbox 360 and like, I have a switch as well. Um, but primarily PlayStation. The funny thing was, is that, you know, at one point, well, right now you can't just buy a PS5. Like you still can't exactly just buy one, but I had like signed up for, you know, whatever Amazon does a deal where you say, Hey, let me know when this is available. And they send you a 72 hour invitation or uh, something, right? Invitation. Yeah. So I got that. Um, and I, and I thought about it for a little while and I was like, do I want to buy one of these? Like, do I really now want to buy one? And I just didn't. There you go. 
I don't know exactly what I would do with it now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't really have the time, the time for that. But, but even then, back when I was playing a lot, I really wasn't playing a lot. So, eh, I don't know. I know my brother, my brother's Xbox, but you know, as kids, it was like Sega, mm-hmm. the Sega Genesis, and then we we just started, you know, PS One, PS Two, PS Three, and. That's how it went. I still have a PS4 somewhere. It's in a box. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So for, gosh, like I think the the five and the the series consoles, they've been out for, I think, a little over two years now, give or take. Right. And, um, you know, for the longest time, I'm like, I'm going to get a PS5. I'm going to get a PS5 because I have a PS4, right? Um, and And I... Truthfully, I only got the PS4 back in the day because I wanted to play Uncharted. Like, everyone was telling me how great the Uncharted series was. I'm like, fine. I like Indiana Jones. Let's check out, like, a more contemporary version of Indiana Jones and see what happens. And along the way, I I really enjoyed, like, the 2013 Tomb Raider um, series, like, the trilogy that came out. That was really cool, really fun. Um, But then I kept having these conversations with people... And like hearing like what people like which consoles people had and stuff like that, and um, I'm like, which one like should I actually go with? Like if I actually go with it, and I kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and um, anyways, I, I finally ended up on landing on one, one of them, and uh, I, and of course like you 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 have like such a difficult time like finding them out in the wild, you know. So I'm like looking for like, um, I ended up with like deciding I want to get the the Series X. Like I want to have like physical media of stuff. I want to have the Xbox Series X. So like I'm looking for this thing, and can't find it. You know, like at the 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 Game Stops, the WalMarts, the Best Buys of the world, stuff like that. And same thing with the Series X and even the Series S. Even though you can find Series S's, which is just the digital only console. You can find those like pretty easily, actually, and pretty dang easily. Um, but I'm like, man, I really want this. So I go look, and I'm like, are there any like Series X bundles? Oh boy, are there! So I find the Series X uh, Forza Horizon Five, I think is what it's called, or Horizon Forza Five. Whatever, I don't know. It's some race. So that's like a yeah racing game, yeah. right? So I find okay. it. It's an extra 60 bucks, but I can have it at my doorstep in two days with Amazon Prime. Uh-huh. Mike, let's do it. Let's do it. I got the money. Let's do it. And sure enough, two days later, I had it. It's a digital copy. It's not like a physical copy. So, like, I can give it to someone if I want to, or I can just download it. It's whatever. I mean, I'm like, I'll play it probably eventually. But, boom. I mean, that's how you do it. So, if you want... My point is, if you want the PS5 or the the Series X, look for bundles. Like I've seen at Target, like the um, what is it? Like the the God of War Ragnarok bundles. I've seen a couple of those like out in the wild at Target mainly. Um, for any of our international listeners, I don't think there's Target internationally, but you might know it as Target. Yes, Target. It's a match. Yeah. <laughs> So, I'm just saying, if you decide to get a next-gen console, David, I mean, 
Series X might be a good choice. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm just I'm not I'm not interested in in that. I mean, I've I've played like my brother's Xbox and it's it's fine, but um, I'm just gonna say this: I don't find the difference between the two. I think back in the day there was. I, I think the 360 definitely did a lot of things mm-hmm. graphically that I guess that would have been the PS3 didn't do. Yeah. Uh, but this gen, I, I mean, I'm sure somebody could probably say, oh, well, it's this, 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 this. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I probably at this point in my life would just stick to what I'm familiar with. It's inside baseball stuff that no one like normies yeah, and, like us probably don't care about yeah. too much. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, but, but I mean, yeah, I, I would probably go with the um, with the version that does accept the discs, even though it doesn't really matter anymore because the disc doesn't house the whole game. You still have to download like, you know, 60 gigabytes of extra game. It's like, well, why the hell do you give me the disc, man? Right. This is just basically like the what the key, <laughs> the key for the game. Basically. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. There is still something about, at least for me, buying like a physical copy for what of of a lot of things. Yeah. That I I still uh, can appreciate, but but I don't know. I mean, like uh, the new Fallen Order game, uh, Survivor. I think it's called huh? Survivor. Survivor. There you go. Yeah. That'll be coming out before too long. April twenty eighth, I believe, is the new release date. Know more about it than I do. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just I don't, it doesn't hold in my head. Um, and then I know a lot of people, I've seen some gameplay of the, um, the Hogwarts, Hogwarts leg legacy yeah. game, yeah. which, uh, looks, you know, interesting. I don't know how interesting it actually is. It just, it looked interesting I uh, heard, from what I saw. I've, I've heard rave reviews for it. And, uh, one yeah. thing that's kind of cool, um, and I don't, I don't know if this would like ever sweeten the deal for you to, you know, potentially play it because it's gonna i mean it's eventually gonna come out on like the um older gen stuff eventually but it's gonna just be like a few months from now like this summer whatever right um but if you have uh it used to be called pottermore i think it's just called like wizarding world or whatever now Mm -hmm. but if you have an account there uh, like where you've been sorted you have your wand and your patronus and all that stuff you can actually link that account with the Hogwarts Legacy game, so you can be automatically in your house, have your wand, and I think even use that same Patronus whenever you end up using Expecto Patronum. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, but is it enough? Is it enough, Chase? Maybe when they fix Madden mm. and stop just doing a carbon copy, with, you know, with just new player names. I did enjoy playing Madden okay. back in the day. Or when they finally uh, figure out their licensing deals and bring back the old NCAA mm. football game. That was fun. That was fun back in the day. Okay. I think, yeah, the only uh, sporting game that I've played that I've really enjoyed um, like are the um, NHL games recently. And um, also, if it counts, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah, there was a newer one of those, wasn't there? Yeah. I think yeah, I think that was, was I think it was like a like a it wasn't a port, but I think it was like um just a complete remake of like I think Tony Hawk 1 and 2 or 
two and three. I don't know. It's just some something. Yeah, the, those were fun. It's funny you mentioned hockey. I remember playing NHL 95 yeah, man. on the Sega Genesis. I remember playing um, NBA Live 98 on the original yeah. PlayStation. Yep. Yeah, the, the NBA Live games were actually really fun. They were. Yeah. I didn't care for the 2K stuff, but the, the Live, that was a good franchise. Mm-hmm. It's gone, but... Bye-bye. <laughs> I don't know. There, there, there's a lot of differences in games, and I, I definitely appreciate the, the visual masterpieces that they put out. You know, I've seen gameplay of like the newer God of Wars, where, you know, he just says "boy" all the time. You know, that's fun. Uh, you know, it looks great. I don't know. I just don't know. Dedicating that much time to that kind of stuff seems like a loss of time for me nowadays. Sure. But who knows? You never know. Maybe I'll get another invitation. It's possible. It's possible. Or just go to Tarjay and get a bundle. Just saying. <laughs> oh, man. No, like, uh, Fallen Order, like, has a, a phenomenal story. and um, Yeah, it did. Absolutely phenomenal story. And I'm really hoping it carries over with Survivor. Uh, Tomb Raider 2013 had a phenomenal story. Um, and it was decent going into um, Rise, and then Shadow was the conclusion of it. It was it was pretty good too, but like, yeah, yeah. So, well, speaking of trilogies, maybe we should um, actually talk about the last book in this trilogy, huh? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are. Like I said, man, like. We've taken our sweet time getting to the end of this of this series. And um, anyway, so for anyone listening and tuning in, uh, we are going to be talking about the Star Trek Legacies um, book number three, Purgatory's Key. And um, yeah, it's written by Dayton Ward and Kevin Dilmore. Um, so... Yeah, like, I know that we've had, like, our ups and downs with talking about this series so far. Um, and I know I was, like, pretty savage last time with, with book two with what I rated it. Yeah. Which, I'll give a little tease, I'm not going to be as savage. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> said If you say so. Said as savage. As <laughs> savage. Doesn't mean savagery will not ensue, though. <laughs> oh boy. Um, anyway. Yeah, I mean the, I you know to be honest, I don't really remember too much of the first book, like what my reaction was to it. But book two, which was best defense. Best defense. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't what I would call a great book. Mm-hmm. If I'm just being honest about it, that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I, I'll uh, spoilers. I probably won't be as hard on this one as I was the second one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So this is, like I said, the third book in the in the series. There's only there's only three. So after this, we're going to move on to something else, um, and see where that takes us. But. Um, so with this book, there's, um, there's some, I thought, uh, and maybe I'm kind of getting ahead of myself with like the actual, like evaluation 
part that we're going to do at the very end. But to me, David, like this book seemed like it was a lot more streamlined, like it was just more cohesive as a whole than even the like the first two books combined, but especially way more than the second book. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It didn't... The, my biggest problem with book two is that it tried really, really hard, I think, to put in all this action, this action and adventure, and go off on a tangent that is so irrelevant to this book. Mm-hmm. Um, even the setup for this was like almost like coming from a completely different perspective of what the base story should have been which is interesting Mm -hmm. um you know this was very prevalent in you know the the 2000s with like how star star wars books were that whole universe everybody was just you know there was some collaborative effect but in reality there were so many different branching storylines because there was no control over it you know george lucas just said do your thing but you know book book two spent a lot of time not really telling us much about the the biggest point of this being the whole you know the our our key and like this other dimension and you know we have people trapped there but you know we're going more over this like random romulan side quest Mm -hmm. with angry romulans who really, I mean, what did they accomplish? Uh, not much. Right. <laughs> not much, At really. All. Yeah. But th- this this book settled down a lot, and I think it attempted to answer some questions, although I will say some of it was a little... Um, mm, meh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I'm sure we'll get to. <laughs> so... There's a point in this book, um, and, and I know I've mentioned it like quite a few times already, but like because there's been like so much time for you and I, from when we started this the the book series to now, there's probably been more that we've forgotten than we've actually remembered, <laughs> um, truthfully. But there's a part yeah. in here that I really like, <laughs> where it essentially summarizes the first two books in like two paragraphs. And I'm like, thank you for not making me read those two books all over again. Right. Um, and it wasn't like too like, um, you know, too over the top. I mean, it was it was really succinct and it like made sense in the context of how they were saying it. So I really appreciate that. So um, am I saying that you don't have to read the first two books because it's going to be covered in like a paragraph? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, So there's some there's some interesting ish things that are going on. We have the dead coming back to life, among other things. We have um, the Matrix um, like loading area um, that's becoming like a wee bit um, of a thing in this book. Um, We have Klingons doing stuff. Um, you know, zapping heads and stuff like that. No big deal. It's fine. Um, yeah, and we have um, Kirk being Kirk and 
Chekhov being more sciencey this go round? Yeah, I, I think that they definitely keyed in a lot on Chekhov. A lot. And a lot on Sarek. Yes. Um, as big a part of like book one and even book two. Uh, yeah, definitely book two, but Una, her character really takes a kind of a, for me, like a back seat in this book for some of the other characters. But mainly those two got a lot more, I almost said screen time, but, <laughs> page time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Let's just go there. So we have we we're we're stuck in this other dimension, and you know we're we're like we're waiting for the Enterprise to hope hope that they come back at the appointed time to like get people like that was originally planned. Um, but boy, howdy, the that's probably not going to happen because transfer key went bye bye um, a while ago if I'm remembering that correctly. So we're having to essentially like replicate, build a new one and hope well, to God so, it works. Yeah. So the, the, the Romulans obviously stole the transfer yeah. key. The, the enterprise did retrieve the key, but the bigger, the bigger point here is it's, it's not quite that easy to get them back. And one of the things that I started thinking about here was this is basically inception effectively it's the movie inception um one of the things that we were like asking ourselves throughout the second book mainly was so you're in this uh jator planet place but things are moving oddly you traverse long distances without knowing it your short-term memory is affected you're not hungry you're not tired you're not hot you know, you're not injured. Uh, we heck because we do have Sarek who comes into this land place and it was previously grievously injured, uh, during the attack on our last planet. And so were many others too. Many others. Along the right. way. Yeah. But in this war, uh, plane, uh, there's nothing, nothing's really wrong. You're just there. And, uh, you know, we had at the, towards, I don't know, at some point in the last book, Una effectively, uh, it was like a lucid dreaming technique that she could make things appear, disappear in this plane, but we never were explained to why. And then we're finally getting the answers here. And it basically just winds up being almost planes of existence. Um, and effectively this whole landscape is uh, a, a tool, I guess, mm-hmm. to acclimate you to what would be then the next plane. And the whole point here is we're trying to effectively keep transporting through different planes to get out. And it actually kind of makes me wonder how, I don't know, d- d- this technology, uh, It almost makes me kind of think of like how necessary was all this technology, you right. know? Right. And I also kind of gets me questioning. So what is the real threat to the Jator? 
I guess I was a little head scratchy about that. Like they're saying that their their world is going to be destroyed and they could be extinct, but I'm kind of like, why? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if if I got that answer really. I no, I I didn't. I mean, like apart from um, what was it? Um, there there at the very end, it was kind of talking about like um, like some arrogance, some pride, some some hubris of sorts um, that were kind of. I think the driving forces. So I think if it was maybe what a threat to that, like that's what they're fighting again is a potential threat to those things. Question mark. Yeah. And the other thing I started thinking about too, is that, so again, just getting right into it, there are Jator that are above this plane that we first see. So, but not all Jator are there. Mm Mm-hmm. So is it like some are more evolved than others type of deal? Is this like a is this like a Daniel ascending to the next plane of existence type of deal, you know? That's that Stargate yes, style. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. I was thinking I, of Star Stargate and Daniel with this. Yeah. Yeah, so we we did meet Jator in the next plane. And they seem to be a lot nicer. Like they seem to be a little bit more reasonable, I guess. Yeah, are these like like um, Jator Q type things? <sighs> I, I I just don't know. It just it it also it, it I don't know. It really did it really did sort of baffle me. But it does relate the book's title pretty well. It, Purgatory's boy, key because it? It, basically this is just purgatory. It's not it. <sighs> Is it is it something that the Jator created, or is it just something that they live in? Is it just this reality? It seems like it's more of this reality. Um, I mean, one thing I was thinking of, and I might I don't know if I'm going to go off the reservation too much with this or not, but um, like you think of like um, what was it, Species Eight Four Seven Two, like with Voyager. Like they occupied fluidic space, like that's where they can live, where they can thrive, and you know, every so often they'll come over and wreak havoc in our world or whatever. And right. you know, maybe it's along the same lines with with what they're doing in this like matrix loading screen purgatory thing, where if that you can think it, you can be it, kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, but the only one to figure that out was basically Una. Mm-hmm. Like the Jator didn't seem capable of it, or at least the ones that were on this this particular purgatory plane. Right, because weren't weren't okay. So there's a there's a point where um, Una is um, talking about like we got to get out, we got to meet um, these folks at like the certain place, the certain time, type of thing. And the isn't it the it's the Jator right where they're saying well we'll need to be ready too because that's how we can get out and then you have like that whole piece with um i believe the enterprise right where um they're trying to like beam things out beam people out they find these like life signs but they're like that has to be human but we could also be beaming out these other folks too it almost makes me wonder if, like, the Jator on the plane were trying to escape their own natural evolution. Hmm. 
more so than the destruction of their planet. Maybe, maybe I just didn't get it, get the book enough. Maybe there were, it was too deep for me, but it kind of made me think, well, made me think because like, you know, spoilers, but we were able to rescue our, our folks and Jator, the Jator that were living in the upper plane, the upper crust by uh, Chekhov's probe mm-hmm. that they were able to send through. So, but we didn't bring the Jator that were on the Purgatory's plane. We, we had to navigate everybody that we wanted to come out through off of Purgatory, basically to die, and then go through second plane to third plane to whatever. So are the Jator really you know, running from a planet destruction or are they running from their own evolutionary destruction? I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that. The thing that, you know, after getting through this story that I'm just not a hundred percent sure about is, and maybe this is bad. Maybe, I don't know if I'm just being too thick about this, but I guess like now that we're at the end of the story, like what, what, what was really the point of this key and like in hiding it in the wall of the captain's quarters. Yeah. Because the the key seemed more centralized to turning on the Citadel for its terraforming operation. Now we know that it will also transport people to purgatory because we've seen it. The Romulans were able to achieve it. The Jator did it. Or, you know, way, way back when Robert April was captain or old, old Bob April, as they called him, old Bab, Bab April, <laughs> you know, Bab, Bab April used to have the enterprise, you know, and he, you know, some of his guys got flashed away. <laughs> he couldn't find them anymore. So, you know, he just took it and hid it in his, in his room. Old Bab. <laughs> But it just, it, you know, it, it does kind of make you question exactly what was going on. Because, like, when we finally connected Key with Citadel, the Citadel just starts to terraform the planet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily make anybody jump. Mm-hmm. And then we had to use a whole bunch of <laughs> mind meld trickery oh. to even reach our people. Yeah, like, we're, we're, da- we're, like, we're, we're, yeah, we're doing the freaking telephone game with weird thought dream things. Yeah, I mean Drake should do a remix. You know, used to call me on my on my mind mill. Used to call me on my mind mill. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just late night. That was some weird, freaky, deaky stuff, man. But I want to I want to go back to the key thing for a second because yeah. like. As we talk about this, it kind of makes sense, but it kind of doesn't. Um, do you think that part of the reason... I know we've given it crap, but do you, do you think like part of the reason why we are like keeping it secure in the way that we are you know, with, with the Enterprise is that because we didn't understand how this thing was like really working, that there, there was like truly seen as like a threat to unraveling Starfleet and the Federation by disappearing people away? Well, yeah, I mean, to be fair to the original crew, they thought those people were dead. Yeah. 
And I mean, they made mention in this book too, where, you know, Una only starts to think about the rescue after the enterprise crew had went into the mirror universe. And she realized that there could be some collation there, which is a bit of a stretch, but whatever. I get it. So they were under the impression that this is just like a kill device, you know? So at that point, yeah, I mean, it might be safer in, in the hands of, you know, somebody who's responsible, although, <laughs> you know, is it responsible to just keep passing it on? I don't know. Even, even old Jim, Jimmy boy. It's like, ah, man, I just thought I'd leave this here and pass it on to the next captain. I thought it would be, you know, just be out of my hands. I wouldn't have to, you know, wash my hands of this. Oh, Jim. <laughs> oh, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I, I feel like that, like with the, the key thing, it, there was just, just maybe too much runway with yeah. it, you know, to get like the payoff. And like, I get it's a story, but like, I mean, why not, like, at least, you know, put that in, you know, maybe, like, the last book? You know, like, towards the, the end of, like, you know, Best Defense or something. Like, as opposed to, like, having the payoff with this thing in, like, the, like, what, the middle third of this book, I think, is, like, around when it came came to be. Right. Well, you know what would have been an interesting payoff is if they actually did destroy the key... And the whole point of this book was we had to science a way to break through, which we did both, basically. We did in this book. Yeah, but you could have destroyed the key, and that would have actually created a really suspenseful third book because now we don't have the thing to make the thing go. So now we have to make another thing, which is more classically Star Trek. Right. Right. Um, so just for me, I, I think you, you kind of had, uh, what is it? You, you just tried to have two cakes instead of just one. Yeah. Yeah. When we, when you want to talk about, oh, no, sorry. Go I was ahead. just going to say like when we like started going down, down the rabbit hole of like, let's create another one. I was like, I feel like we're cheating right now. Like, this seems like it's just a little too much. Like, we've, we've like, maybe painted ourselves into a corner, so now we have to figure out a different way to do something. And not necessarily in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like, to be fair, um, I, I really did enjoy the use and, like, the relationship of Spock and Chekhov in this book. Same. I thought that was a, that was written really well. Um, and just like the, uh, like Spock being the mentor to Chekhov, maybe that he didn't realize he was, um, I, I really liked. Um, so, and just how they got, how they used Chekhov. Like he was like a, like a three dimensional character, I thought in this book. Well, and I mean, Chekhov was always kind of like almost a comedic relief yeah. or like a really hothead, you know, sort of thing where we, we didn't really necessarily, I feel we didn't really necessarily get to see him develop as much as a, just a person. Mm -hmm. um, and 
when you do these fill like fill moments, you're starting to see where yeah, obviously the guy was smart. You know, in the, in the newer series that he was the, the Russian prodigy, right? You know, he was the smartest guy there. But I, I do think that they used more for, you know, the, the comedic value or, or the hot-headed value. And it, and it was. It was nice to kind of see him work out a problem, him impress Spock, and even be on his toes a little bit when Spock suggests something odd. But he's like, well, there's no no to this situation. Let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. So with that, I yeah, I also really appreciate that. So talk to me about, um, I mean, we've, we were just talking about like the key and like the dimension and inception and all that stuff. And like, even like Spock and Chekhov, but like, what do you think about like the Klingon stuff in this book? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was, I was about to say, you want to talk about the, the, the Klingons. So yeah, we, we kind of open with, with, um, with a dishonored ship. We, you know, with a, a captain oh, yeah. who had lost their family honor and, you know, their son was, uh, what is it? Their son's, uh, her son, uh, was on, uh, they were on the ship that was nearly destroyed, um, during the last fight with the Romulans. Right. So they were rescued, which means that now he's further dishonoring everything. Right. right. And, uh, you know, the, the captain, I don't remember the captain's name, but she was on basically a vendetta mission against Kirk. And it kind of felt like, you know, we got enamored with Romulans and they were like, yeah, but we don't care about them anymore. Cause literally there was a part where it's like, oh, they're just backing off. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, fine. Um, but yeah, we, we just sort of, we, we get this dishonored ship and captain, and then we just have another random captain who gets killed, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it was, um, probably pretty accurate to original series though. When you think about it, I, I think, um, that whole era was a very hot headed Klingon race yeah. who was at war with the Federation. Mm-hmm. They were at war with them. And so this was just continuing this. So I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but it just kind of seemed like having a bad guy for the sake of having a bad, like an extra bad guy for the sake like of it. Yeah. You know, like where you could have done again, if you didn't have the transfer key, you could have focused all of your tension on creating this new thing to get you there and then maybe even having a tangle with the Jator. But instead they, they just wanted to throw something else in there, which yeah. neither good or bad. I mean, it's natural that the Klingons are going to want to claim something here. Uh, you know, we had scientists checking out the Citadel and pretty much all of them were killed. Right. Um, because the Citadel started to do its little automated thing. Yeah. I think I would have much preferred having, like what you're suggesting, like the, the transfer key was like destroyed, obliterated. We have people there. How are we going to get them? What are we going to do type of thing where we maybe took like, um, like a page out of like, uh, what would that have been? Like, uh, next gen or, um, uh, or 
or even Voyager, for instance, like next gen with like something like a Times Arrow. Mm. You know, where they're they're using a device that might have already existed, but like modified or whatever, you know, to to go through time and dimensions and and figure things out that way. And then um, I'm going to get the episode name wrong, but um, in Voyager, it's where um, Harry ends up on this. um, I think it's like this asteroid or this moon or something like that where um, the the people there um, believe that when they die or they're nearing death that it's like this noble, honorable thing to kind of like wrap them up like a mummy you know, to where they go oh. to like their next plane of existence, right? But right. it ends up being like just this graveyard of an asteroid type yeah. of thing. Uh, it, the next... Oh, crap, what's that called? The next... Don't yell at me, people. Eric especially, don't yell at me. Um, it's the next something. I'm totally um, forgetting it. But the point is, like, there's the technology that's dealing, like, with, like, that dimensional stuff. Like, one being Federation, Starfleet-type stuff. The other one being, you know, the, the what these this alien species has created. And that would be really interesting. Like, how can we get, you know, two dozen or more people over here like away from limbo, away from purgatory, away from right. this um, dimensional gateway to where their lives can be saved, even if it it was essentially like hitting the pause button on like you know being severely maimed, right? Like you still you got hurt, and like the act of getting hurt is like what transported you to purgatory. So like we literally paused the game, right? Like we were talking, right. we've we've paused the game and now we have to unpause it. And oh, by the way, like you're ble- bleeding profusely, or you're this, or you're that, and we got to save you before you do bleed out, before you do actually die, like for real, for real. So that was a long rant or long thing, but but the but I think it would have been it would have been I think higher stakes, and we wouldn't have had to deal like with some renegade Klingon pulling out a disruptor, or, a phaser, whatever, and decapitating someone with said phaser. Yep. Yeah, the Klingons just felt a little unnecessary. I think you could have went a different route. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah. I mean, even... Like, it would have probably been more, like, meddling than anything else, but part of me, I think, would have liked maybe, like some admiral like Starfleet admiral to get involved and to complicate things like finding out about the transfer key because like it was like there's no consequences there's no consequences no. for Enterprise captains for this this key that was kept hidden yeah they they, they just kind of played it off pretty easily that ah, Starfleet's they're fine <laughs> they're just we're just not going to answer their stuff or, you know, we're just going to do it and they're cool with it. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll let the, the legacy of, uh, of the enterprise and its captains, you know, be one of discovery and not of secrecy. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's really phoning at home gang. Like for real. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. 
But again, just goes back to the same. It probably could have been some better, better thought into the structure of the story. I just think they were trying to touch bases mainly. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. But even with like the imagination stuff and like, you know, trying to tap in, like going back to like our, our crew, you know, like tapping into that and like trying to think it with like a higher plane, like it definitely had like traveler vibes to it. Um, but like, you know, we're, we're, we're willing these phasers into existence and they're like nothing more like to like everyone else but like 3d printed little toys until they're instructed to just believe that they work and they will work yeah i guess the other question is so if you can get onto this purgatory plane once and like you were killed in it, could you go back? I mean, what's to stop you from going back? Did we just discover how to live eternally? How to like have like a video game kind of like lives type of thing? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it... if I have if I have like the things right, if I have the Deathly Hollows, right? Of Star Trek. If I seriously, if I have the Deathly Hollows of this thing, I could in theory be zapped or stabbed or whatever. I could go to Purgatory Land, play with my 3D printed toys. Uh, right? I could go through the the um I could go through like the, the fourteen thousand different levels of of mental existence, come back out you know, I've been in the buffer, whatever. You have like an analgesic and like a little hypo spray, and I'm I'm fine. And if that doesn't work, then you know what? Let's let's do it again. Well, it's also kind of that one Voyager episode, wasn't it, where everybody was on the holodeck being hunted? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> Reusing. I mean, let's also keep in mind that this was for, um, what was it, the 50th? Yeah, the 50th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. So this was uh, about, this was 20, uh, what, 16? Yeah. Yeah, 2016. Yeah, I mean, story aside, I, I think probably, like, just to maybe get to a positive, I think one of the positives was I, I did. I mean, I did like some of the, like, the Joanna McCoy and Sarek storyline, you know, where they were walking along and, you know, she's checking on him and he's being patient about it. And, you know, they're, they're kind of discovering stuff. Um, and then even, you know, Sarek being sort of the linchpin, like if he wasn't there, how would anybody have even gotten home? so to speak convenient but i think that that was that was interesting because i mean i've always liked sark and you know we've had we've had plenty of stuff with him although we 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 never got that wharf sark book that we were i I don't remember what that was a part i think that was the the one wharf book that wasn't a wharf book (laughs) they talked about like their adventures or something or maybe that was spock no it was spock and wharf dang it 
anyway, Sar- uh, a Sarek and uh, and Worf book would have been cool too, but maybe wrong decades. It's mm-hmm. fine. But you know, we've explored quite a bit, but it, it's just. Um, I thought it, you know, it, it's kind of sweet the stuff with his wife, you know, them having that bond and and uh, you know, obviously like Amanda, kind of really understanding each other in a way that maybe we didn't necessarily see as much, and maybe you know, like the the shows. Now, uh, correct me if I'm remembering this incorrectly. The wife, when we get to TNG, that was not Amanda, was it? That was his second wife? Yes, second wife. Okay. I, I think that I think that with Amanda, I think at least if we if we count this as absolute gospel, it definitely feels like they had a much closer bond, maybe. For sure. And I could be reading a little bit too much into that, but I think that there was a closer bond there. I also kind of, you know, it was it was kind of sad, like with um, with Spock, who was guiding this mind meld so that she could reach out to Sarek, where Spock felt nothing but a wall because mm-hmm. he and his father had never chose to mind meld, which was something that we saw all the way up to, you know, when he, you know, much much later. You know, when we, when we have other mentions, I don't think that they ever did, did they? No, and that was the whole point of um, what we see in um, uh, the two-part unification story, right? So Right, with Spock, and yeah, he, he uh, Picard was able to give the, those memories to Spock. Yeah. 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 It's just sad because it's like they say they bury the hatchet, but not really. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. To me, the 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 major I think the I think a real strength of this book, in my opinion, is Spock, um, and how they use Spock. So, I really liked how his stuff was written, and don't get me wrong, like Chekhov's stuff was written well too. Like there's other good writing throughout the book in my opinion but like the whole like not admitting that he's like worried and concerned and anxious um, about his dad you know but like you know I don't require sustenance and then he gets like a little like side eye from from bones right like you haven't eaten in like three days or whatever yeah. whatever ended up, ended up being and um you know, Spock deciding not to argue with the doctor, like, fine, I'll eat after this shift is over or whatever. Like, yeah. so like those, those moments I was really digging. And then like, you know, the aforementioned ones that I said too, with how Spock was used as a mentor for like this early, um, like kind of check off development too. I thought it was a major strength. Uh, yeah. I, I really, I just really liked how, how he was, how he was used. And, um, I think even in like some of like the very minor moments as a pretty minor character in this book was um, Scotty. Like I really like the, yeah. the Scotty moments too in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I've probably original series. I mean, Scotty was probably my, my favorite character, 
James Duhon did a, a really nice job of portraying a, a memorable character. And then even going into like relics with TNG was a great episode. But we do we do tend to we we do tend to kind of chunk engineering into its own little section mm-hmm. and don't always um, don't always get in there very much because you even mentioned. We were talking a bit. Uh, well, the last time we recorded, we were talking about uh, the new, you know, Picard episode, and, and you got to talking about LaForge. I, th- I think everybody likes Jordy LaForge, and he certainly did get some episodes, but he was still the engineer. You know, he was still the guy down in down in engineering. He wasn't really on the bridge, um, except for the couple times where we tried to put him on the command path in season one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I, I will always appreciate a little little interjection of Scotty in any story. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Doohan always did did a great job with, with the character, like you said. So, yep. um, and I thought, even in this written format, long after he has passed, like, they still managed to, I think, capture his character well. Yeah. Um, the the characterization even pretty well um, in in this story. So I think those are those are great moments. Well, and that, that, I mean that's something that you could really that's something to be said about the original series though, and the actors who portrayed the original series cast. You you know exactly who Kirk was. Mm-hmm. You know exactly who Spock was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know very specifically who. who you know, McCoy was like, even though some of these actors are now gone, their portrayals are, were so memorable that you never quite forget that. And I think that, I think that, you know, if, if you're, if you're sort of casual about Star Trek, you might kind of forget some important characters along the way. And I think we've all talked about sort of the importance of DS9. Oh, yeah. And how some people don't really know much about Deep Space Nine. So, because like, you know, Cisco with, with the way, you know, the, the acting register and, and the characteristics and mannerisms, that's a very memorable portrayal as well. But, you know, you, you also have to concentrate a lot in that series because there's a lot going on. Oh, yeah. You're, original series could be very simple um, but those, those characters portrayals will I mean they'll, they'll always they'll always be uh, present yeah yeah I think um, it, with Deep Space Nine in particular like it's a very multi-layered type of yeah. storytelling um, one that you could analyze every episode you know, multiple different ways, um, and still have something to to argue to to, to talk about. Not that well, not, the, not that you, not that you you wouldn't with like original series, but um, it was just a different time, and it was mm-hmm. tackling still complex things, very complex things at the time, but um, just in a more subtle way, perhaps. I don't know. Well, well, the, the things changed. You know, you could even say that about TNG, though. 
like the way Riker was in season one was not the way Riker was in season six or whatever. Of course not, yeah. There's a difference. And that you could chalk to character growth, which I think is a lot of what it is, but at the same token, um, you could have, again, if you're casual about it, you could, you could very easily miss you know, why somebody's different or that somebody did change. Original series ran three seasons. It had a crap ton of episodes because <laughs> that's how TV was done. Oh, for sure. But they didn't. They they were the same. They were just the same people, mm-hmm. you know, just in a different scenario. So sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's it's good to see some different growth and so forth. But you know, it, it just all depends. It seemed like everything was very very established from the the beginning, and they didn't move away from it. Yeah. So even when we read these books, you know, 50 years later, whatever, it's uh, it's still very much the same person. And there's a comforting aspect of it. And then just to get back to the content of the book, that's why it's it's really hard to read something that is not really all that good mm. with characters that you know very well. So that that's why book two was was also particularly hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, although although one one other thing just to be said, I mean, Sarek changed quite a bit because I mean he was in the original series as a you know as a Romulan, so that that was a big change. <laughs> 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 that's true. <laughs> oh, Mark Leonard, thank you very much, good sir. Oh man, yeah. <clears throat> Well, I think we're kind of naturally segueing and segueing to it. Um, but why don't we go ahead and um, evaluate in earnest and, and rate this sucker? Cool. So um, I guess I'll go ahead and, and give this a go um, and potentially embarrass myself along the way. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so... I got to think of this thing on its own and not the whole of, of the story, even though I'm going to add the that whole part here in a second. This particular book, like I started out this episode talking about, um, this book held my attention, I think, more than the prior two books did. Um, the first one being the closest to holding my attention. There was a ton going on in the first book um, because we're world building for this particular story. So that's kind of to be expected. It's like par for the course. But this one just straight up held my attention. It felt like one cohesive story. Things were making sense. I wasn't getting lost and wondering and having squirrel moments like what the heck's going on over here? Which I really liked because that was the complete opposite experience that I had with best defense. So the fact that we have a cohesive story, um, major, major, uh, win for me. Um, good use of characters. Um, like I've, like I've said before and, um, but also like some kind of weird, like kind of backtracking, almost retconning, of like middle of the story kind of stuff was was happening at different points too because we got to get out type of thing 
We gotta we gotta figure out how we can save the day and you know continue to boldly go wherever you know when it's all said and done. Um, I think I think there was like some really I think there was some smart stuff that was going on here, but I think it was also maybe overdone as well. So there could have, like you were saying, Dave. I don't want to steal your thunder. I really don't. But I think that there could have been opportunities for, um, like, maybe more drama with, like, changing up of, like, the device and, like, the MacGuffin type of stuff that we were dealing with. But overall, um, it's, a, it's a pretty decent. It's not a great, but it's a decent Trek story. It's not crappy. It's decent. Um, so I think as a as a single standalone book I wouldn't have an issue reading Purgatory's Key over again I really wouldn't uh, is it completely memorable eh it's, it's there um, but as a series it's so disjointed so as a book I would I think I, I'm gonna. I think last time I gave it like a what best defense was a two, if I'm not mistaken, um, out of five. Yeah, it was bad. Um, this I'm not gonna give it a two. I'm, I'm feeling more generous with this one because, like I said, I enjoyed it. There's some good stuff there. There's some eh stuff there too. Um, so I mean, I'm probably closer to like a, like a two eight, maybe two nine perhaps with this um, out of five uh, I think there's like some more fleshing out of things I think there were some missed moments with other characters that we could have really leveraged and taken uh, more advantage of um, and for that like I, I feel pretty comfortable being as close as I am to a three um, had we used more characters and you know maybe taken away here and added more there with like st other story elements this could have been a great finish and it's it's a it is good like i would you know recommend that you check it out knowing that there's a paragraph in the beginning ish that summarizes the first two books so um so anyway, that's that's where i'm sitting how about you man um yeah so it does feel this book feels a lot like um the last coded book. <sighs> I don't want to talk about coded. <laughs> it, it it feels like a completely different direction, um, because I guess if if you're going off of general book logic, we probably would have furthered something more with Romulans, like a la another last ditch attempt. And I think that. You know, like we had kind of talked about, I think it would have been a great idea if the key was destroyed and you're doing more science to create something different, which you did along with the key. And, you know, j just throwing in a random dishonored ship of Klingon seems a bit like a little bit of a disconnect. Like, um, we got to go. We got to go home. You know, we, we got to bring this puppy home. How do we do it? And I don't necessarily know if the way they did it was the right way to do it. I don't know if I can tell them the right or wrong way to do these things if we're being frank about it. 
but you know there were some goods you know some of the relation aspects some of the character aspects I think could be good um, but I and, and I'll agree I did enjoy it better than the other two it was more intriguing but if you're gonna create a flow you should probably follow that throughout to its conclusion like a lot of people give a lot of crap to the um, sequel trilogy of Star Wars right but they did a story and they ran it through to its strange conclusion but it happened in this case it just kind of seems like ah, we're just gonna we're gonna do it we're gonna do something to bring it home and it, it, it was fine and I think some of it was a little bit you know, like clever ideas didn't really fully come to fruition. Maybe, maybe just didn't quite get fleshed out enough with the multiple planes and all the stringiness, just stringing people along. Um, there's goods and bads, but it was certainly better than the last book without trying to be too pew pew. I think I, I was probably, eh, I'll stick with it. I, I think I'm just going to go a, a, an even three. Uh, I think I think if you don't care too much about reading a paragraph or two synopsis and you just want to continue on with a story, I think it stands better alone than it does as a part of a trilogy. Which is kind it's of not, sad, yeah. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's not the great end cap to a trilogy. So that's why it'll never go ab above a three. Sure. Sure. Okay. Cool. Well, there we have it. So we're officially done with the Star Trek Legacies trilogy. How about that? Oh my goodness. It, it took us long it. enough. <laughs> so yeah, we have um, uh we have a few other books and uh, maybe even a comic book or or something or two um, that we're, we might be looking at. So um, I know we have the um, the Star Trek Picard um, Second Self. Uh, that's one yep. of them. Um, what was it? There was another original series book, I believe. Um, why I shouldn't say things if I don't know the title uh, enemy something anyway um, and then there there's a, also um, a, a couple of comic book series uh, like very brief ones that I think popped out uh, recently too which I mean in the in all seriousness though like we could probably like pop off you know the the freaking like comic book and like maybe even a story like a like a novel or whatever in like one shot and do that so um, yeah but here we are man here we are we're at the end and we made it we made it so we will uh, David and I will get together and we'll we'll talk about which one we're going to do next and uh, go from there but um, there is no most important part of the show unfortunately today sorry I know you're completely heartbroken heartbroken about uh, that David it's heartbroken yeah 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 <laughs> So that's it. Um, that's it for today. And um, anyways, hope everyone enjoyed the show. Uh, David, as always, thank you so much for, for being a glutton for punishment and talking Trek with me as much as you do. Um, anyway, 
So uh, all you out there in listener land, um, hope you enjoyed this book review. And um, if you've read it, you know, did you, would you have given it, you know, a rating like we did? Or did you give it higher, lower? We'd love to know, like, what was your overall experience with it? Uh, were there things about the book that uh, maybe we didn't talk about that you were hoping we did? Because that's very possible, very possible that we've done. Um, but anyway, regardless... Uh, we'd love to to hear from you. Check us out, trtvpod.com. You can also open up handling frequencies and um, leave us a note. Enter in coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. Of course, you can also so also send us a voice-only transmission, 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit before weird things happened. happen, like citadels and terraforming and weird stuff. Um, other than that, if you want to mail us something like the transfer key or maybe you went to Lowe's and you got a key cutter to make you another transfer key and you want to send it to us that's cool too Lone Star Station P.O. Box 2455 Azel Texas 76098 everyone again thank you so much for tuning in and as always remember to boldly go and make it sound